morning, everybody. Thank you, Manu and the band, for the great worship. Good to see you all. Isn't it great to be here? So, there's no load shedding. It reminds me of this story about this little boy who was sitting in church with his mom, and um, the preacher was known to be very long-winded. So at the beginning, the preacher took off his watch, and he put it on the pulpit, and the little boy said to his mom, what does that mean, mom? The mother said, absolutely nothing, son. (laughs) I'm not that guy. I was thinking about it, so I'm sure that there are people that come to church on a Sunday, and we know there's load shedding, so we know whoever's up here has got to be finished by 10 o'clock. And I think some of us wonder, oh, just, I'm just loving this so much. And um, others might be thinking, thank goodness, he's going to get finished. <laughs> so I trust that you hope that I go longer. <laughs> so we've been journeying through this amazing book called One Peter in Our Bibles, and we've learned a whole lot of lessons. And I'm going to give a, a, a very short recap of Peter and what we've been through, just the, the, the titles, just to kind of jog your memory. And... Remember, Peter was this disciple of Jesus who walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was a very passionate kind of guy and um, radical in a lot of things that, that we did. And he reminds us in Second Peter that we should take these words of Jesus to heart. He says he was there on the mountain when he, they saw the transfiguration of Jesus. And because of that, we should honor these words. We should listen to the words of the prophets. He's reminding us that it's not a third or fourth or fifth hand story story, but it's a real, he saw it happen. It's an actual account that he saw and he wrote about. And a a few weeks ago, we heard from Francois that this is not the same Peter, it's the same person, but he is now radically transformed. He has completely matured. Remember, he is the one when Jesus spoke of his crucifixion, he rebuked Jesus. When Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet, he said, no, not mine. He tried to stop him. And then when Jesus said, it's necessary, then he said, okay, then wash all of me. So he was just this amazing guy that um, radical in all that he wanted to do. He's the one who stepped out of the boat. He's the one who, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, he, was, he pulled out his sword in defense. And um, when there was the crucifixion happening, he went right in by the fire. And I know that he denied Jesus, but still he was right there. He hadn't run away. He got as close as he could. And um, he wanted to... He wanted to be involved in the action. He wanted there to be a change, but he was doing this kind of in his own strength. But now, he is filled with the Spirit of God. He's wise. He's influential. His life is measured. He's not just reacting to situations, but carefully analyzing life. And he writes this incredible book for us. He spent three years with Jesus. He writes his letter to the five provinces of Asia Minor, and these churches are suffering heavy persecution under the rulership of the Romans. Jesus had told Peter to care for his sheep. And here we see, as we read this letter, he is doing all that he can to care for the sheep, not just those ones then, but the next generations. And so he writes writes his letters of instruction to us because he's doing that with all of his heart. He's fulfilling all that he was told to do even after his death. 
He's left us this letter that we can read. And I encourage you to take it to heart because it's not just a story that was written that we could read and, and think, well, that's great and it's nice and it's for somebody else. But he tells us it is for us, for all of us. He has this deep desire. And I trust that I have the desire this morning that God wants your life to change. He wants it to be according, lived according to his plumb line. He wants you to leave a legacy. He wants you to honor God. So we've covered these topics that there is a hope of eternal life. There's a hope of eternal life. And I think that is one thing that should just buoy us, that should move us into action when we have a revelation that there is another life, that this is just a fraction of our lives. In the words of Russell Crowe from the movie Gladiator, what you do in life echoes in eternity. It's great, eh? He calls us to live holy lives. He calls us to be living stones in God's house, to respect those in authority. And last week, as Nick reminded us, how to live as husbands and wives, how to treat each other. And so today, I've been given this text of, from 1 Peter 3 verse 8. And Peter starts off this here, and even though it's kind of the middle of the letter, he says, finally. So he starts off with this word, finally. And he says this, you should, in verse 8, finally you should all be of one mind. You should all be of one mind. Unity is a theme that we see throughout the Word of God. And what's interesting is we love unity. Everybody loves unity. In your workplace, wherever you are, you just, I just wish we had more unity in the team. But, and we, we all know that scripture in Psalm 133, which is where there's unity, God commands his blessing. But we so often misinterpret that and we think, well, I wish the Lord would bring some unity. That's not what it's saying. He's saying you need to walk in unity and God will command his blessing. I've been in churches where there's disunity and it's really not good. And we need to work at maintaining that unity. And I want to say, especially for Red Point, we have a group of elders, and um, I'm amazed at the unity that we have. I'm amazing at that I can come here and everybody is for me. Everybody wants me to succeed. Everybody wants me to take courage, to encourage me. And I love that. And, and then that's what we need to do for one another. All of us put courage into somebody. That's how you create unity. When people know, listen, this person is for me. It makes a big difference. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Well, I mustn't do that. <laughs> Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, and he's quoting from Psalm 34, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Look for it. Look for peace. And when you find it, take care of it. Somebody said once that your best friend is momentum. When you're in anything, once you've got momentum, make sure you keep it. Once you find peace, search to seek to maintain it. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Interesting. So in the midst, remember these people are in the midst of severe persecution. 
It's a time of great turmoil and suffering. And Peter's saying to them, you need to honor God in all your ways. He's not giving them an excuse. I know what you're going through. Remember in the book of Revelation where Jesus gives his message to the church at Pergamum? He says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. And yet he still tells them, he warns them, but you cannot allow these things. He understands where they live and the tough times they're going through, but that doesn't give them a reason to act contrary to the word of God. And these are the words he gives us. I'm gonna read it from the message, which is really, really great to just understand this, this paraphrase. It says, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Don't we get good at that? Instead, is it just me? I think I heard one mm, somewhere. <laughs> Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day fill up with good, here's what to do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all your worth. God looks upon this with approval. Listening and responding well to what he's asked. Because, but he turns his back on those who do evil things. Awesome. Verse 12 says this. The eyes of the Lord... Watch over those who do what is right, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. I mean, this verse should really just change our lives. It really should. Do you want the Lord to watch over you? The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what is right, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Have you noticed that when you need something from the Lord, you act in a different way? Have you ever had that happen? You're going to a job interview and you're driving along, you maintain the speed limit. <laughs> everybody, you're courteous to everybody. You have a gap, Mr. Taxi Driver, it's no problem. And you think, Lord, I know that you're watching everything I do. He's watching all the time, all the time, because there's danger in this world. You know that turmoil can strike at any moment. And then we need to live according to God's word. And not just because we want the blessing, but because we love him. We do what he loves. This is incredible wisdom. And in James chapter 3, verse 17, it's kind of an echo of this. It says, the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. There's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is incredible godly wisdom. But unfortunately in the world, we, read, we, we, we are taught worldly wisdom. And I made a little list that, that contradicts these here. So what does the world say? What is worldly wisdom? The godly wisdom says be agreeable. But the world says... Learn to say no. And how many times have you heard that? And it's not always bad advice, and I'm going to talk about that just now, but so many times we just told, learn to say no to everything. In the, in the army we were taught, don't ever volunteer for anything. <laughs> Be sympathetic is godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, it's probably your own fault. You know why that person's going through that? It's probably their own fault. Be loving. Worldly wisdom, don't let people get too close to you. Be compassionate. Don't let people hurt you. 
Be humble. Be proud. No retaliation. Get revenge. No criticism. Put it on social media. (laughs) And that's how we learn to unpack our things. But contrary to God's word, be agreeable sounds like great advice, but what about receiving it? Peter says here, be agreeable. But what about receiving it? Somebody, Nicky Gumbel said that forgiveness is a great idea until you have to do it. (laughs) Be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. This goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue criticism. Instead, bless, that's your job, to bless. There's a reward for this. God looks on all of this with approval, listening and responding well to what he's asked. God looks on all of this, being compassionate, humble. He loves it. Sometimes we may even question it if we've been doing that for a long time. You know, I don't know why I just keep on being so kind to everybody. Everybody uses me. The Lord is looking with it on, with, with approval. You know that God loves to answer prayer? Don't we love to hear a great testimony of somebody who was up on the edge and you wondered how's it going to turn out? And then suddenly God came through and and changed the whole situation. And we read the word of God time and time again. We see how he changed situations. Jesus came and he did something amazing and somebody was raised to life. The blind saw, the lame walked, people were healed, people were restored. People were delivered, they were set free. We love to hear those testimonies. You know why? God loves to answer prayer. Sometimes we wonder why he doesn't answer our prayer. And I was just thinking about this earlier as we were singing. And um, uh, I hope I've got all my theology right. As I said, if, you, if, you, um, if I say something you disagree with, you can email Francois yes. or Chris <laughs> and tell them. But I was thinking about our faith. Our faith, all of our faith is at a different level. I mean, Peter got out and said, I'm going to walk on the water, and the other disciples didn't. Maybe Judas said, let me hold your wallet. <laughs> but... Our faith is a bridge. It can hold us somewhere. And sometimes we think, Lord, you answer all my small prayers, but why not the big prayers? But maybe sometimes our faith needs to grow. And I believe that God wants us to stretch our faith. He wants us to go on some faith adventures. And that's why many times we've, you've heard from the frontier, why don't you faith the trip? Yes, it might be expensive, but I'm going to extend my faith and trust the Lord to provide for me that we will be able to do that trip or do this thing or start something or do something. And I think it's great advice that we start to stretch our faith. It was not in my notes. This, we can see from this portion of Scripture that it's almost like the Lord wants us to go on this love offensive, not just stay neutral, not just stay out of harm's way, but to actually go and do something that shows we are compassionate or sympathetic to somebody. The message says, do you want to see your day fill up with good? Do you want to see your day fill up with good? And I think that if we read the word, we should all say yes to that. But what if you disagree? This portion says be agreeable. But what if you do disagree with somebody? And it's not a bad disagreement. We don't have to win for every debate, first of all. I'm echoing. Is it all good? How can we be agreeable, sympathetic, compassionate, humble, but deep down we know that something is a bad idea? Your spouse comes home and says he's had an argument with his boss or your wife's had an argument with their boss and now they're going to resign. And you know it's a great job. 
or your child has a bad idea and you know they're just making a huge mistake, or a friend comes and tells you, you know what, I'm sick of this husband or wife of mine and I'm leaving. Should you be disagreeable? Yes. <laughs> so I want to give you some wisdom that I, as I looked at this. Somebody says, you know what, lead with a yes. A yes and, not a yes but. Because what the yes does, it is allows affirmation and collaboration. It allows for discussion to take place. And it shows that you're sympathetic. It shows humility and compassion. And it shows that you're agreeable. But then what happens is we need there to be a guiding, a turning of the ship. Because remember, God's word is our plumb line. The best leaders, this article said in the world, have mastered this art to lead people and affirm them at the same time. So Peter, Peter encourages us to do these things because of Jesus, because he has won our heart. But true love for one another, gets we get involved and we walk a journey. Remember Proverbs 20 verse, 27 verse 6? It says, better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. A good friend pulls you away from the edge of the cliff. That's what he does. And remember that Peter is writing these words to believers who are under severe persecution, and they wanted to, they want, probably wanted, let's try and do something. And he's, he's telling them, no, don't do this. I was the one who retaliated. I pulled out my sword, and I cut off the guy's ear. And Jesus said, don't do that. But at the same time, we cannot allow people just to walk their own way. Remember in Corinthians, Paul says that we are actually called to judge the church. Have you read that scripture? It's very quiet. I better read it to you. Otherwise, you're not going to believe me. You're going to email Francois and Chris. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. It's a hard scripture, eh? What does it mean? It means that we are called to hold people to account. Yes, we are agreeable, and I believe it's good to lead with a yes, but that yes means, out of love means that we turn people towards God's heart. Yes, but what does the word say? Your, your idea that you want to do is, not con- is contrary to God's word, and you need to line it up with his word. I feel like I'm making, it's been a long time there. He goes on and he starts to talk about suffering. Verse 13. Now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you do suffer for what is right, God will reward you, so don't worry or be afraid of their threats. So there was this guy, he worked in the post office. And one day he saw this letter that was addressed to God. And he, but he had no address on so he thought we need to open this letter and see what it says. So he opened up the letter and basically a letter from an old lady and she said, dear God, I'm 83 years old. I was robbed last week and my last $100 was stolen. I needed that $100 to get to the end of the month. I have some friends coming for a meal and without that $100, I cannot buy the food to feed them. I've got no family or friends that can help me. So he thought, man, this poor old lady. So he got all the other post office workers together and they all scratched through their wallets and they managed to put $96 together and they sent the money to her. And they all felt so good. 
few days later, there was another letter addressed to God. So they all gathered around eager to see what, this, what had happened. And the lady was so thrilled. Dear God, thank you so much for the money. I'm so, so grateful. I was able to get food. I was able to feed my friends. It was really awesome. But I just want to tell you that there was only $96. But I'm sure it was those thieving post office workers that took it. (laughs) So sometimes you can suffer for doing what's right. Verse 15 says, You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Peter makes these statements and he's referring to the whole of this book. He's telling them that you might suffer for for honoring, honoring people or living a godly life. And he said, you must worship Christ as, as Lord of your life. The message says it like this, through thick and thin, even though you go through these trials, even though you suffer, even though you're wrongly accused, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ. I think it's so well written. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ. To me, this almost talks like just not a feeling, but it's something that overrides that feeling. You've been hurt. You're going through a hard time. Something is wrong and you're feeling discouraged and, and falsely accused. But this word comes through. It says, keep your heart at attention. A lot of us went to the army. You know, when they called you to attention, when something was happening and the corporal shouted attention, it didn't matter what you were doing. You dropped what you were doing and you stood to attention. It didn't matter whether, where you were or what you were doing. You stood to attention because it was a call. And this is what Peter tells us. Keep your hearts at attention. And he goes on. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. It is important that you have some knowledge about your hope as a believer. You know, there's people that have been saved for years and they've got more knowledge about their, their hope than others. But that doesn't excuse us just to think, well, I don't have to worry about that. Each of us, I believe, needs to know why do I have this hope as a believer? What is it? I think that um, our testimony can carry us, but at some stage, we need to to get hope, uh, to get um, knowledge as well. Verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed. When they, when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. You know, I know people that have been Christians for a long time and they have got a lot of knowledge, but they are the most arrogant people I know. And I think that's a terrible testimony that we would get this incredible arrogance that we would try and, and, and um, win every argument, win every battle, try and prove our point, try and make sure that, that everybody knows that we're right. It's just ugly and it's disrespectful. And I don't think, it doesn't, attract, it doesn't attract anybody, I don't think. Have you ever seen somebody walking down the beachfront with a highly judgmental message with his loud hailer? And have you ever seen anybody running up to him and said, can I get you some more batteries? No. Everybody hopes his batteries go flat. <laughs> but as a believer, ask questions. Know why you believe. Know why you believe. 
And if you don't know as a Christian, just make something up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just checking if you're listening. Be gentle and respectful. There are, there are huge um, resources to get knowledge, but read the Word of God. Read your Bible. Take a portion at a time and spend time in it and do, read some commentaries. I mean, if you ask a lot of Christians today, what came first, the chicken or the egg? They say, I don't know, I wasn't there. The Bible tells us the chicken came first. He made them male and female. So answer. Am I right? <laughs> you may, amen, thank you, Francois. You may not have all the answers, but people are watching you. They're watching the way you live. Very often we start out with no knowledge and a great testimony, but I encourage you, search for knowledge. Remember the story of the man born blind in John chapter nine? He was blind and Jesus healed him, and then the Pharisees even questioned him. What happened to you? And he said, I don't know, I was blind, but now I can see. And they tried to discredit him in different ways and, and dishonor him even, and um, he just gave it straight back to them. And basically his story was, I was blind and now I can see and Jesus healed me. Read the word, it is our plumb line. We have to build according to it. Settle in your heart that this word is absolutely true and then live according to it. Build your life on that strong foundation. I think the problem comes when we start to question the word of God and we start to go on, a, on a, almost a witch hunt to find, yeah, but, and we get into trouble. Remember the story in Genesis chapter three, verse one? The serpent comes to Eve, says the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of these trees in the garden? And she answered, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden they were not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. He said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman, and the rest is history. And he said, she didn't die, but the death that took place was a spiritual death that came upon the world, much worse than the death that she thought about or that the serpent even thought about was a spiritual death. And I wanna encourage you today, decide in your heart, even today, that you won't question the word of God. I have decided that. And um, you might think, oh, but you know, there's some things I'm not happy with. We shared this at Alpha the other night. Have a picture of these three filing cabinets. And in the top drawer is everything you know and understand. And in the bottom drawer is things that you might never understand. And in the middle drawer is things that you've got a question mark about. One day, you may be able to move those things in the middle drawer to the top drawer or the bottom drawer and knowing, listen, this is a lie or this is the truth. But don't just discount everything in the middle drawer. You may have questions, we all have questions, but I wanna encourage you to know that, listen, there's, this word is true. There's something that I'm battling with, what needs to be adjusted, me, not this, amen? So we, the ones that, that need to be adjusted, and right now we might not, might not be able to see where the adjustment needs to play, take place. Just leave that thing in the middle drawer. There may come a time when, okay, now I understand it, and I can move it to the absolute drawer. Amen? Yes. You with me? Yes. 
People will ask you hard questions about your faith, but that's okay. Be ready to give an answer. And if you don't know, just respect, respectfully say, I don't know, I'll get back to you. And then you can ask Francois or Chris. <laughs> and they'll tell you. <laughs> Verse 17, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. So from verse 18 to 22, Peter reminds his readers of this incredible gospel message. Verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring them safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirits. Verse 22, now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Surely we should too. He's done this incredible thing. Verse 18 says, he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. And there's no other way to get there. You know that as we get older, we think more and more about death. We think about what's it gonna be like? What's gonna happen when I'm gone? And we need to know even now that Jesus has made a way for us to go safely home to God one day. But do it now, don't wait for that time. Remember what I read earlier, through thickens and keep your hearts at attention in adoration for Christ, our master. 1 Peter 4 verse 12, so we're missing out a little bit of a section. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised, remember this this, this, these provinces are going through the severe persecution and he's telling them, don't be surprised at these things. C.S. Lewis says this, God who foresaw your tribulation has specially armed you to go through it, not without pain, but without stain. It's good, hey? Don't allow that tribulation to leave a stain on your heart. Don't allow it to, let you, to make you become hard-hearted or to become revengeful, be humble, be agreeable. 1 Peter 4 verse 14, but if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. What a verse. For the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Uh, I think that the fourth one is the one that we get into trouble with. <laughs> But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Why do people suffer today? There are these things that we're not sure about. We live in this fallen world. But you know that what happens often is we suffer because we don't walk in wisdom. We make a bad decision. Or we lack faith that we haven't decided I'm gonna walk in faith and so we try and walk according to our own strength and we get into trouble. We make a bad decision because we don't truly honor God's word. And we look back and say, you know, if only I hadn't done that. The word of God warned me about that. But I went ahead and did it anyway, knowing that we're making a bad decision. And then we get into trouble. And then what happens? A whole lot of things. <laughs> so if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to, God, to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. 
Remember the things that we read earlier about being compassionate, being kind, and you might be suffering for doing that, but it's okay. If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Even Jesus was persecuted for his faith. But I want to encourage you, and I write these things down, write them on your heart, trust God, he will never fail you. The message says this in the, the portion that we read earlier from 1 Peter 3 verse 13. If, your heart and your, in your heart, if with your heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration for Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. Remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus went and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Incredible miracle. John 12 verse 9 tells us a bit of the story. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. So Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. He had been dead for four days. Um, now he's back with his family and everybody wants to see Jesus and they want to see Lazarus too to see, is the story actually true? Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. I mean, can you believe it? These were supposed to be the godly people of the time, the wise people, people that honored God. They were supposed to be these group of people. And what they decided, they didn't like Jesus' teaching, so they said, what we'll do is we won't just kill Jesus, we'll kill Lazarus too, and then we'll say, what miracle? People want to see you fail. But we, as the body of Christ, we want to see people get ahead, to, to go forward in their faith, to break through, to live according to God's plan, and to live under God's blessing. Amen? There is an enemy that wants you to fail. There is an enemy that wants you to fail. And the moment that we decide that our wisdom is better than God's wisdom, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We're walking into the trap of the enemy. So I want to encourage you to read these words and, so, and, and write them on your heart that you would just walk according to them always. Remember that um, we started off about this Peter who, who um, was quite impulsive, um, cut off the guy's ear, tried to walk on the water, all these things. And now we have this Jesus, this Peter, who has um, been completely changed. So Jesus has appeared to his disciples twice, and in John 21, verse 3, Peter now, he says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> and he's decided that that's what he's going to do. He's carrying this huge guilt, and a couple of other, other, other disciples decide to go with him too. And they fish all night, and they catch nothing. And at the dawn, at dawn, Jesus is standing on the seashore. And they can see somebody there, but they don't recognize him. But he calls out to them. He says, have you caught anything? And they say, no, we fished all night, but caught nothing. And he says, cast your nets on the other side of the boats. This has happened before. And they bring this huge catch of fish in. And John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps over the side of the boat into the water. Remember the last time he said, if it's you, call me to come uh, and he'll walk on the water. He doesn't even think I'll have a second go. No, I'm going to just get to Jesus. He jumps over the side of the boat and he heads to shore. They have 
a bra with some fish. And then Peter says to, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Now, a whole lot of stuff has happened between he being him, him denying Jesus and this point. And I'm sure that Peter must have been thinking at some stage, Jesus is going to address this. Remember, we've spoken about being compassionate and agreeable and sympathetic. And here is Jesus now. This conversation now needs to take place. I'm sure that Peter has been in absolute turmoil with this guilt of denying Jesus. Can you imagine? His Lord, his Savior, who died for him. And now this conversation happens. And I wonder, you know when somebody says, do you love me? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? The first two times that Jesus asks this, he uses the word translated in Greek, agape. It's an unconditional love. It refers to a pure, sacrificial, willful love, and it's almost a command. It's an agape love. And the third time, he uses the word translated phileo, which is a brotherly love. It's a type of love that is most shown in close friendships. But what's interesting is it's a love that is chosen. You know, we are commanded to love the Lord. We are commanded to love the Lord with all our hearts. But yeah, Jesus is asking, but do you love me just out of your own free will? And I believe that that is a question that the Lord has for all of us. Do you love me out of your own free will? And Peter answers, you know I do, yes I do, yes, 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 he answers. And then Jesus, this is called the restoration of Peter. And then Jesus puts into Peter's care his church, his flock. He says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. So this is an absolute, um, I trust you completely. There is complete forgiveness. Yes, you failed, but you're choosing to love me. There's complete forgiveness. And, and I wanna ask you this question today. Are you running towards Jesus? Or are you running away from him? Or are you just hanging in the middle to see how things turn out? Now I wanna encourage you this morning to be like Peter, to yes, Lord, I love you. I'm choosing to love you out of my own heart. I'm choosing to walk according to your will. Yes, we might go through tough times, but that's okay. I'm gonna to continue to live according to your word. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. Not, I'm not sure. You might say I'm not sure, but I encourage you to hear these words today, to know that Jesus is completely in it for you, for each one of us. He's completely in it. Be in it for him. Say yes to Jesus. You know, I've got a, 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 a short little testimony that, that happened um, some years ago, and I wanna just finish with this. It's about a young girl who said yes to what Jesus is doing. And she was, she'd finished school, she was at home, she, um, didn't have a job, she was battling to find a job. She um, wanted to become a teacher, but she couldn't find an opening for it, couldn't, the doors were just closed. And one day, we were gonna go on a trip to Lesotho, and her mom said to her, listen, there's a Lesotho trip coming, and they need help just packing the vehicles. Why don't you just go along there to these people you don't know and offer to help them pack? 
And she said, okay, she'll do that. I arrived there that day, and here was this young girl, and she was just there to help us. She helped us pack the vehicles and got everything organized, and, and off we went on the trip. And she was, it, it, we were packing at a friend's house. And this friend then said, you know what, I need somebody that can help in our business, somebody to help do the admin. She came along and she started to help to do the admin. They started to pay her. So now she had this job. This guy's father-in-law is an architectural draftsman, and I might have the wording wrong. And I believe a draftsman and an architect to do different things. Barry? Anyway, so he started to teach her how to do drawings. And then he started to pay for it to go to college. And today she is qualified as an architectural draftsman. And she's earning a good salary. She's working for this guy and another engineer. And doors have just opened for her. And it's because of one yes. If you say yes to Jesus, a lot more doors than this will open for you. I encourage you today, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Say yes to Jesus. Can we stand? Can I pray for us? Lord, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us, that you call us, Lord, and I know that you're calling people today. Some of us may have made bad decisions and we're suffering the consequences, but we know, Lord, that in you there is repentance and forgiveness. And we hear the story of Peter who really made some bad choices, but you restored him. You trusted him again, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that we would repent of bad decisions, bad choices, of willfully walking against you, Lord, doing things that are contrary to you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, for every person here that would be in one of those categories. I want to encourage you this morning. You might be standing here this morning thinking, you know what, I have just messed up. Or you may be here thinking, you know what, I've just got a good plan for my life and things are going well. Everything's good for me. It doesn't matter. Still choose Jesus. Say yes to him. And wherever you are in any of those categories, I'm going to pray a prayer and I encourage you to echo this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, let's pray this after me. Lord Jesus, we come to you in Jesus' name. <laughs> I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me where I've messed up. I ask, Lord, that you would help me to say yes to you in your word. Forgive me, Lord. I repent of the things I've done wrong. And I choose to follow you today. Have your way in my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.